Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Happy uh, soon-to-be Easter, soon-to-be Dingus Day. Oh, yeah. So, big weekend here in western New York. Big drinking so, weekend. Yeah, hopefully you have your Grodiskis and your, you know, you know, Polish Pilsners ready, as well as a butter lamb or two sitting <laughs> inside the refrigerator. What is it about the Polish style that stands out the most? Like, I, I can... I, when we talk about Grodyski or we talk about a Polish Pilsner, I can like taste it in my mouth without tasting it. What is that it's, it's distinct the feature? The oak smoked wheat malt, and and that's the pretty much the only malt going into that beer. So it's a very light wheat beer that doesn't have con- some of the more harsh phenols of say you know a German Hefeweizen, so a beer you would get further west, and it doesn't have um, doesn't the skunky and and sulfury nose of the uh, you know Czech Pilsners that yeah. you would find in that area. So the, the you know, smooth, creamy, bit from the smoky malt, and then a fruity hop, kind of similar yeah. to American hop. So it's a very nice, refreshing beer, kind of a style that's making a resurgence here in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, happy Dingus Day. It's on the way. Happy Easter. Uh, last week we talked about barley wines and uh, party guile style brewing and all that, if you want to find that on demand. By the way, good morning. Jeremy White and Bert Teister here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Okay, a uh, couple things. Let's do some housekeeping. What's the status of your Galaxy Hops? Last we week we talked about having some. We still have Galaxy Hops trickling in, so we're not selling pounds of it yet, but we're not price gouging it easier. So we have one-ounce packages in stock, and the limit is two per customer. So if you're looking to grab some Galaxy, come in and get some. Hop hash, Eldorado hop hash. That's a new product that we've had that's been getting great reviews. It's uh, the kind of uh, oils and caking and residue that ends up in a cold press um, hot pelletizing machine. So what they do is they go back and they scrape out the machine and they run it back through again. Um, And so it's ultra concentrated. And we've heard that you should be using it anywhere from, you know, one to three three to two ratio so like if you were used to dry hopping with two ounce try one of the hop hash if you're bittering maybe two to three so it will replace two to three ounces of hops but it's also supposed to have some really kind of intense fruit flavors okay uh hop rhizomes the latest on that they are selling well and we still have all the varieties in stock that we're starting to get even low on a couple already um so if you're looking for some of those special american he sea hops you might want to come in and get them early uh but all of my hops uh ones at friend's house relatives the ones in our potters at the store the ones at home are all coming up now they all have a little bit of green leaves so if you're thinking about growing hops now is the time to plant them you can plant them all the way out to uh, say june or early june um but you really want to get them in early if you want to have a harvest next year or the year after all right. Uh, also, a UniHot deadline is fast approaching. It's less than two weeks away. you got to get your Upstate New York Home Brewers Association entries in by April 26th. And in terms of where to bring those, can they bring they those bring to you? They bring them to Niagara Tradition. Um, you're under two weeks. So if you were procrastinating, you're already up against the deadline. If you have something in the basement, you you might want to take a look at it. If you have something to be bottled it you got to bottle it this weekend. So it's going to have time to condition and get ready for uh, two weeks. Well, uh, one last thing, National Homebrew Day. We are still a couple weeks out from that. You guys will have a lot going on on May the 6th, National Homebrew Day celebration. Beginner brewing classes. Uh, the email's not yet gone out about tickets, but it will soon. It will soon. And if you want to sign up for that email and that um, 
newsletter. You just do it head right to the website, nthomebrew.com. You got it. And the link is right there to just put in your email and, and sign up and be a part of that. Okay. Uh, tasting, all grain brewing, demo, uh, brew days for the beers you'll be serving as well. So uh, lots to get to. You're going to actually brew a brown Next porter yeah, and party so- Last week, Kevin brewed a New England-style IPA. We had a few people come for the the demo there, and he did a single infusion mash out of an igloo cooler. Um, and then next week, I'll be party gal brewing out of my louder ton. Um, so anybody wants to check that out, come on in. So we'll have the brown porter and the New England-style IPA ready for National Homebrew Day. The barley wine won't be ready till Teacher Friend to Homebrew Day in November. So come back again if you want to check that out. But okay. we'll have it on tap then. And how about with the weather turning? Do you guys change over your inventory of what you might have, like more picnic taps and we, stuff like we that? We carry all this stuff year-round. So if there's ever, a you know, you need a propane burner, you need like, a, you know, a, you know summer draft supplies – we have them in the winter as well, but we definitely put them front and center for the summer. So if you have like a refrigerator that's been sitting in the garage as a beer fridge and it's got a kegerator in it, you need to clean them out. We have everything there. If you're thinking about, you know, buying a keg this summer, we have, you know, small party taps from $30, so little pump systems up to, I think, about $130. We have a CO2 system that will push the beer for you. Still not a whole fridge set up, but everything you need to serve a keg of beer with CO2 yeah. out of an ice bucket. Boy, you just put something into my head. I've got an old fridge in the garage that I could probably just... How easy is it to convert? Well, I mean, you have to put on a couple of hoses onto barbs, yeah. and you got to have a 7 8 hole saw to drill through the door. But other than that, you can really have the system up and running in a couple of minutes. Is it almost any fridge that can work? Like Anything that we have, things you have to watch out for is where you want to put the tap. So if it's a short fridge, people always want to put a tower on, and that's fine, as long as there's no cooling or electrical lines where you're trying to drill through. The nice thing about a household fridge that doesn't have, say, a filter or, water or ice machine in the door or anything like that is you're almost guaranteed that there's no electrical components in, the in there so you can go right through the door right through the door and i mean it's mine's a traditional old fridge so i mean i would be it, it's kind of short but whatever i think it would do the job Yeah, usually you can hold four six stoles in there so you can hold a fair amount of beer inside a home refrigerator yeah. and that's actually what i'm using in my basement and i can hold four kegs hmm. and Man. some bottled beer yeah, you put that in my head. Now I, you know, throw the beer out in the garage, and now the summer's here. Things will be great in that respect. And if you're um, trying to move the brewing outside, we got you yeah. covered there too. So we have high BTU propane burners. Those are going to be a little bit different than the turkey fryers because they're almost double the pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can take a bit more weight too. And we have those in, you know, your traditional iron and you know powder coated as well as up to like the Blickman Hellfire series, which is nice and stainless steel, ready to be bracketed into a stand or leg extension or anything like that now today we're going to get into as the weather continues to change some of our spring into summer kind of beers like seasonal stuff lawnmower versus session i i did not know that lawnmower beers like that that was a a genre an official bjcp but it's a genre but we're gonna throw it out there it's it's a a, we'll say a buzzword that you know just about any brewer or now any beer connoisseur is going to be familiar with. Yeah. And, and it's going to start hitting all over your craft brew aisles, like in the next couple right. weeks. Right. I think here, of so. uh, EBC Momaster. Like when you say lawnmower beer, I think, oh, yeah, I've had Momaster. And that totally makes sense that, you know, brewers would generally, you say the word lawnmower beer, it, it kind of puts a feeling in you. You know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This is a beer that's going to be pale, usually highly carbonated, and meant to be served very, very cold. And while everybody's preference, we'll say, of this beer is different, 
um, the goal is still the same, to have something that you can drink in the sunshine while doing physical Anything. labor. It's refreshing. And it will be refreshing, yeah. and you won't be you know, laying down in the lawn by the end of the yard right, work. Right, So the, the one consideration is it really has to be, we'll say, under 4%. You know, there's, again, there's no style guidelines on this, so if we're going to start the style guidelines now, lawn mower beer has to be under 4%. And it can be a different beer for anybody. For me, it's usually actually the Grodiski. So I haven't made mine yet, but I'm going to make one, and I'll have it in bottles for the entire summer. And it's, I think, one of my favorite beers coming in at about 3.2% to kind of sit out there and drink. And because it's a wheat beer, too, it has a little bit of body to it for being a light beer and kind of puts a little bit in your stomach. Mm -hmm. So So what separates a lawnmower from a session? Now, a session beer is a little bit different because a session beer is a light example of a different style of beer. So when you see session beers, you often see like session IPA pale ale, saison, um, you know, session stout. Um, now this means that it's a light beer for the style. So if you had, um, I'm trying to think of maybe some other analogy that works here, but it's really like, you know, a Coors Light, Coors Light. Um, and it's the same kind of example. And really in the long run, you're just adding water. It's like uh, Lay's and Bake Lay's. You got it. How about that, right? Yeah. You've got sour cream and onion lays, but then the sour cream and onion baked lays are a little bit lighter, but you're going for the flavor? I don't know. Yeah, does that, yeah, does that work for you? Getting, you're still getting the flavor. You should have the same balance and stuff like that, but really it should be the same flavors, just a light example. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to lawnmower pale ales, like, do you have uh, – you know, the grain bill, is it is it pretty standard what you're using as a base malt? Is it pretty standard? What Not really. It's, it's really one of the easiest kind of beers to play around with. So when somebody comes in and they're looking to make one, we kind of follow uh, a simple progression here. Now let me kind of follow it with you. So what's your favorite base malt? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, I like what? The pale two row, maybe something like that. Like, yeah, something like, like that. Domestic, like a yeah. little bit higher color two row. Sure. So you would take eight pounds of that, and usually anywhere from a quarter to a half a pound of a dextrin malt, so German carapils or American carapils, whatever you have laying around. Then you take your favorite hop, and you need about like four HBUs, which you might be able to pull out of your refrigerator already. So you would take your favorite hop, mm -hmm. um, put that in there as a first wort hop. So as you're kind of pulling the malts out, you would put your four HBUs. A first wort hop in, boil for 60 minutes, cool, and then add your favorite yeast. That's it. And that's the whole beer. So it's not, it's definitely not bitter at all. Yeah. It's, you're saying it's, when you say four HBUs, it's, it's going to score a four? It's probably going to come in around 20. Okay. 20. So we'll have a little bit. It's, it's not going to be your Bud Light or something like that or domestic right. light. It's going to have a little bit more hopping. And if you don't want that, you can easily back that off and go as much as half. You know what I mean? So if you're using, like, Columbus, like I like to, usually paired with some type of, you know, Pilsner malt. I've been kind of going back and forth between the Danish Pilsner and the Niagara Pilsner. And then Nottingham yeast. The kind of, you know, fruity flavors of the Columbus hop, the sweet flavors of the Pilsners, almost give it a little bit of that kind of East Coast ale kind of taste to it. But it still only comes in at about, you know, 4.2%, you know, and about 20 IBUs. So when you compare it stat-wise, it kind of compares up with light lagers. But when you put it to your lips, it really has a lot more flavor than that. Now, the Carapils, is that, you always lock that in? 
I always like to. And okay. the reason is when I'm using so little malt, and some people will kind of start to turn this into a cream ale, so you might see the addition of corn, uh, rice, oats, um, or, you know, a simple extract, honey, uh, corn sugar, um, you begin to lose body fast. Um, and so adding a little bit of the carapils in there guarantees that this beer has a nice, you know, white creamy head and quite a bit of mouthfeel. Um, and that really kind of sets it apart than like a domestic you know, light lager. The mm-hmm. fact that it has a little bit of finishing gravity and a little bit of mouthfeel. And this is going to be a cheap beer to make too, right? Oh, yeah. So we The brought, cheapest of the beers you can make? I, you know, no, the Grow Disky is pretty is, cheap. Yeah, I think even a little bit cheaper okay. because you're using a less malt. Um, there's some styles. Hefeweizen can get really, really cheap if you're doing it right. But we took um, my normal lawnmower beer uh, with us to Thawfeth this past weekend and it went over great and people were asking oh wait where can i buy this beer and we're telling them you can't buy it you have to make it though we'll gladly give you the recipe and when we would put it together for folks especially because we ran into a lot of home brewers they kind of looked at it and we were like wait a minute how much does this cost so we factored it in it's a 22 dollars six little keg of beer that you can have in your garage fridge all summer i take it you'll probably be making more than one keg So for $22, what you can get two six-packs at the grocery store, you can have a whole keg of very nice beer for the summer. Sounds like a good idea. This is why people homebrew. Right, right. You know, you do it as a hobby, but at the same time, you can save a lot of money. And in terms of fermentation or secondary, is this going to be a very quick and easy process? Depending on the yeast you choose, Yes, usually. And and there's really, when I tell people, there's there's no combo that you could go wrong with. You could pick any Belgian yeast, and yeah, it's going to have a little bit of Saison or Blonde character to it. And if you like that, that's fine. Um, you could go with a you know, lager yeast, either American or European. Or you can pick you know any ale yeast, from USO5 to, like I said, Nottingham, uh, to even some of the kind of more extreme at the low or high attenuation end. So... Some of the like English Whitbread series or like Denny's Favorite mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, just about any yeast will go here. So from lawnmower beers to sessions, when we return, we'll get back and get a little more into the sessions and uh, make your beer for the, th- we do this all the time, for the time of year it is, for the weather. You might start mowing lawns, so time to make your lawnmower beer and uh, sessions and sessions I- IPAs, all that stuff on the way next here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN fifteen twenty. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. We're talking lawnmower beers and session beers here on uh, the show. Jeremy White with Burt Deister. So we did lawnmowers, now to sessions. Now to sessions. you got about three more inches on the lawn, lawn so you maybe yeah. want to do the, the session first. But So a session is a lower ABV version of a stronger style. So we see session IPA is a really big one right now. You see session pale ale, saison, stouts, um, 
so as simple as it is, it's a light version of like one of your favorite beers. And to make it, it's just that easy. So what you're really doing is making a five gallon batch with the ingredients for a three or a four gallon batch. So what you're simply gonna do is take your recipe and multiply it by three fifths or four fifths. And that's just about it. And you go ahead and make the recipe all the way through. Um, there are a couple of considerations for this. I mean, obviously you don't wanna make a session version of an already light style. Um, if you lose too much body, too much flavor, it will begin to taste watery. Um, might be something you try and you might like to have a little bit of that around, but at the same time, mm -hmm. it might be just a little bit too much. Now, with some of the styles, such as like IPA, you do want to check your overall IBUs in a calculator because sometimes when you back off the gravity, when you back off the hops as well, you're still getting more out of the hops because you have a lighter solution. So even though you're cutting the hops in almost half, you don't get half as much bitterness from them. Now from the finishing additions, you don't need to change, but it's just those bittering additions. So throw it into a calculator really quick. You don't want the same IBUs that you want. You want about three-fifths or four-fifths what you would have. Um, other than that, it is just about that simple. So mm -hmm. everything by four-fifths, and then run the bittering hops through a calculator to get four-fifths or three-fifths your overall bitterness. But these are kind of can be your lawnmower beer if you want to, but usually they are kind of more, you know, sessionable, meaning that you can have a couple of them. You don't have to be doing yard work. They don't have to have that requirement. But they should be able to have a couple of them without putting you on the floor. But if you're the kind of fan who loves, you know, big IPAs, who, you know, loves, you know, meaty, flavorful, spicy zons and stuff like that, um, this is going to be a kind of a good holdover till we get back to the winter months so you can start drinking your big, meaty beers again. When it comes to brewing for this, I, I think a session is kind of like a, um, I don't think it's a gateway word for people that like craft beer like homebrew mm -hmm. beer but you know if i see a session on a menu a beer list i know that i'm safer because it's not going to overpower me no matter what it is yeah it's definitely but, a good beer to hit up when you're driving if you're the, the right. dd out for dinner or like something I, like I, that and you want to have two beers i think about my fiance she's wanted me to brew a session for a long time because you know when it comes to that kind of beer she doesn't drink that much mm -hmm. but whenever i say session she's like you know a little more perked up about it so a as an option you're even though it's going to be it's weird. They don't just call it a diluted beer, but that's kind of what it is. You got it. I mean, we see that. And I just buy a keg and pour some out and put some water. No, I'm, you I'm, could. Do you want to want? No, you, you really could do that. It's that simple. That. Yeah, if you have a kegging system, you wouldn't want to go with just regular tap water. You'd want to use distilled water. Okay. But the secret is that's how a lot of macro breweries do it. So when you buy the light version of your favorite style. It may have been brewed as your favorite style. They pulled some off at the bright tank, added distilled water, and carbonated it up. And that was it. And done. That, that's the whole, the same thing. You got it. And so this is a simple fix. If you have a beer, say, in a keg that's a little bit too strong, um, you'd want to remove the pressure from the keg, get some distilled water. I usually like to try to have some metric of how much water I want to add. So say if I had a beer that finished at 15 points of gravity. I started drinking it and I said, you know what, I think I really wanted this to finish at 10. It didn't get down where I wanted. I would add 50% um, water. So if I had, you know, three gallons left in the keg, I would add a gallon and a half of distilled water. Now I'm also, you know, 
dropping all the metrics by 50%, but I always try to look at one. What's kind of bothering me about this beer and kind of try to reduce uh, with a ratio of distilled water to try to, you know, make it fit in line. Um, you seal the keg back up, flush some CO2 through, recarbonate it again. You might have to let it sit to settle again, but now you've just lightened the beer. Mm. Um, I guess this too go, goes into the nature of the party guy brewing I'm doing. I'm just adding more water at yeah. the beginning of the process instead of the end. And because I'm doing it at the beginning and it's going to get pasteurized, it's going to go through the fermentation, all the oxygen is going to be removed, I don't have to worry about the distilled water. But it's kind of the same same beast. I'm kind of going far here, but you, you said you mentioned in the formula it could be three-fifths or four-fifths. Four fifths. That's my usual kind of uh, quick reference if I'm doing a recipe. So if I'm doing a, like a my like big IPA and I want to do a session IPA, I would start off with uh, 15 pounds of malt. That's going to end up somewhere down near 10. Overall, five ounces of hops now coming down somewhere near three. Um, and it does start to look, say, like a pale ale recipe, but I keep the you know the kind of balance of the hops to mostly bittering and mostly dry hopping so i kind of cut out those usual additions of uh you know flavoring uh and aroma hops that i put into my pale ale what i was going to bring up is would it i mean if someone wanted to they could brew the big one and split it into two kegs and have one regular in one session like you could just absolutely one brewing process brew like an eight gallon batch yeah two gallons of distilled water to the second keg absolutely and then you're—I mean—you talk about bang for the buck in that regard. You've got two different, yeah. two different versions of the same beer. Yeah. you do by yourself. If you want to bring something up, up because we are always pushing it on time and we still have stuff to get to. Yeah. But this is, I think, something you see a lot of advanced home brewers do in different ways. So the, the whenever they come through brew day, um, and I, this is true for myself too, I usually have two beers at the end of it, though I've put in the time for one. And there's a couple of ways you do this. Party guile brewing is one, but also, you know, brewing a large batch and doing something to kind of doctor it, whether that's putting in a separate fermenter with a different yeast um, or a different hop schedule or steeping in a specialty malt to kind of give it a little bit of different color. Um, so draining out some wort, chilling it, and then putting the specialty malts back into the second bit, chilling it, and you get two different beers. Another thing that brewers do is while they're doing their big all-grain batch um, and you're waiting for that mash and that water to heat up, they do an extract batch on the side. So while they have their kettle cleaned out, ready, their wart chiller ready to go, the hose dragged out to the garage, a fresh propane tank, they do a quick extract batch. Um and you have two beers for the same amount of time mm-hmm. that you put in. And I always tell people all the time with this, and we talk about that, you know, $20 keg. Um, your time is a big factor in home brewing, but it's a hobby. So if you're enjoying it, it's kind of free. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't have as much free time as you would like in this life. Right. And if you can, you know, get double the bang for your buck, double the production on the same brew day. Um, so if we get back to the session beers and stuff here and, and the lawnmower beers, I always like to remind people there's a couple steps that are important in both. And the first is don't cut any corners just because you're doing a light beer. When people are doing a cheap beer, so they're not throwing $80 um, for, you know, like a pound of New Zealand hops and 20 pounds of malt and a bunch of adjuncts to do their favorite big IPA. They say, oh, it's a $20 batch of beer. 
and they tend to start cutting corners. And that's really what leads into problems. You want to do everything that you do with your big beers or the beers that you are really thinking about entering into competition on these lighter beers, and they'll really turn out a lot better. So the first thing you want to do, even though this is really light in gravity, you want to aerate really well and watch your fermentation temperatures. And this will guarantee that when you produce this light beer, it has really clean fermentation flavors and yeast esters, which is important if you're not putting in a ton of hot a ton of specialty malts um, to possibly mask some of those fruitier flavors from the yeast. So aerate a lot, watch your fermentation temperatures. The other thing that I think is kind of important, um, and especially with like the session style, is do a full boil to prevent over caramelization. So a lot of people say, oh, I never, I never have great luck with light beers. And often it's not because of the light beers are really that much more difficult. If you're a beginning brewer and you don't have a wort chiller, you don't have a big brew pot, you're not doing water treatments, you may be getting a lot of caramelization in the brew pot. And so all these light beers that you try to do end up a little bit sweeter and with a little bit more color than you normally would have. And then my last bit of kind of you know, personal advice um, is use a fermenter with a really good seal. Um, I do with these lighter uh, styles kind of do low oxygen brewing. I might not always do a complete closed system, but at least for the you know second racking, I will push it out with CO2. And the reason is, when you have so little hops and you have um, you know not a lot of antioxidants necessarily in there to kind of protect the beer, not a lot of you know sacrificial elements, um, you tend to get oxidation out of both the malts and the hops. And when you don't have much there, and there's really these more kind of delicate aromas, um, pushing it out with CO2, practicing good racking techniques if you don't have a CO2 system. So only opening the fermenter when you're ready to rack, getting the beer all the way up to the neck of the carboy and fermenting from the bottom one of one vessel to the bottom of the other so you're not splashing or letting the beer drop and aerate um, post-fermentation is really going to kind of pre help prevent the oxidation and preserve those kind of fine malt aromas and fine hop aromas. So if you can, push it out with CO2. If not, just make sure you're practicing really good racking techniques. Have everything ready to go. Make sure you're going from the bottom of one vessel to the bottom of the other. And then before you put it away in the car buoy, in the keg, make sure you either flush out that head space or that it's topped up to the neck. And if you need that, you know, if you're a little bit short, use a little bit of distilled water. All right. So with temperatures rising, we're up into the 60s, which is nice. I don't see any 70s in the uh, the uh, foreseeable future, not just yet. Look at the 10-day forecast right now. Well, that's we're, good if we're you're trying close. to brew one of these beers. Yeah, so, right, So right. this is your time. It's the good time to do it. And, uh, you know, before the lawn gets too crazy, make sure you've got a lawnmower beer ready to roll. Yeah, and so if you want an endless supply of great beer at $20 a keg, you better go brew yourself. Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.